thanks again for your welcome. Uh, if you miss hearing me say that last week, it's uh, great to be in Brisbane and we're enjoying it as a family being here. Something that's uh, an adjustment for me is where I come from, you look out in the morning and it's raining, it's raining for the day. You look out in the morning and it's raining here, five minutes later, it might not be raining, it might be sunny. Uh, one of the things we say about Melbournians is when you visit Melbourne, you get four seasons in one day in Melbourne. Well, well I'm learning here, you get four seasons in one hour. <laughs> so what a great country we live in though, hey, and happy Australia Day to you all. And... Um, it's, it's just a blessing to be an Australian, isn't it? And, and sometimes we are negative about our country. Sometimes we are negative about our government. But I think if compared to, and I hate that phrase, but compared to many others, we are so blessed. And we ought to be, uh, be thankful for the country we're in and thankful to the Lord that we can be here. So tonight we get to celebrate that. Five o'clock, I hope you're coming out. Uh, with your best dressed, apparently, outfits, stay day tonight, five o'clock, so hope to see you there. Also gave uh, an ice cream to Peter today, having him won the quiz last Sunday night that I did, and uh, in, in I get to know you, Jono, quiz that we had, Peter won, my favourite food was ice cream, so there is a magnum, it's in the freezer today for Peter, however, if it's still there in 24 hours, I take no responsibility <laughs> for it. Last week we began a series called Life Together and Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. So we hear these sentiments from Jesus uh, roll down to us today to say if we are to reach our full potential as a family of God, as a body of Christ, we would only ever do that together. We would only ever do that in unity. We would only ever do that when we stand as one. Now, I recognise that just being my second week preaching here, we're in a honeymoon period, but <laughs> the day will come, I will upset somebody, not on purpose, but I will. The day will come, the, the clock's ticking until that day comes. And what are we going to do with that? Because that's what matters more than a mistake being made, either uh, against me or from me. But what are we going to do with that? Are we going to own it? Are we going to walk in humility? Or are we going to hold on? to that offence and let it cause havoc in the body of Christ. So let's go in to this new season anticipating that misunderstandings will happen, that human beings will rub each other up the wrong way at times. But let's go in and with these building blocks that we're going to speak about in these first few weeks, doing life together, collectively drawing the wisdom found in the scriptures to live in a unified manner in a way that honours God and honours people. Just by way of review, last week, uh, for those who we missed, we talked about, I can't move here guys, could you help me? We talked about these three things, Ephesians chapter 4 we started in, we're going to continue in Ephesians 4 today, getting ourselves sorted out as a starting point to guarding unity. Before I point the finger at anybody else, it's a really good starting point to say, what part of this is me? What part do I need to own here? What part of this is my problem? And the scripture there in Ephesians talks about humility and gentleness and patience being adopted as personal values as a kickstarter to me, not being so prickly for everybody else to do life together with. Then staying conscious of whose unity it is that we're talking about. It's the unity of the spirit. This is more than just you or I feeling good about our relationship. 
This is the unity of the Spirit. And if we really get that, that it is God who has created this and ordained this, we would be so much more careful with this thing we call unity. And then we went on to talk about keeping focused on the big picture. In verses 4 to 6 of Ephesians 4, we find seven ones, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father, and so on. And, and it's in view of that that we go, if we've got those seven ones in common, we've got enough to have Christian fellowship. If you haven't got those seven ones in common, call triple O. You've got an emergency on your hands. But they're not normally the things we fight about on that list. And they're enough to maintain Christian unity. However, we went on to talk about why this is such a, a struggle. Because we value different things. This is where unity sometimes comes undone. Because we know we are one in Christ. But it doesn't help us do real life together because some of us are formed with this logical mind where we, we care most about engaging with God from the head. We, we, we come together as the body of Christ and what matters to us is that the Bible's taught deeply. That, that's these people that have naturally got that gift and that bent. Then there's some people that value the heart, if you like, and these are people who who judge a church service by how deeply the Holy Spirit was felt. It's all about the presence of God. It's all about seeing God work and the gifts of the Spirit. And then we have people that value the hands. And their cry coming out of them as they, they leave churches, are we doing enough in the community? Are we doing enough in community? So we value different things so that we end up butting heads. And we've thought that the answer to this is to get the perfect 10 in the middle here is to go, well, 3 plus 3, and we'll give this a 4, equals the perfect 10. But that's not how this works. What we want to do is release passion in all of these areas. We want to be 10 out of 10 people here. We want to be 10 out of 10 people here. We want to be 10 out of 10 about this. We want to release passion in the body of Christ. So the people that come caring about these things are supposed to bring their passion. We need your passion if we are to be strong in all of these areas. We don't want to live in the mediocre middle, right? We talked about this. We want to live in the messy middle. Why is it messy? Because two people with passion, when they meet, they butt heads. But a mature person Instead of going, oh, they're weird, a mature person will go, they bring something to the body that would otherwise lack because they value something different to me. Right? This is where we want to get to. So last week we said we are one. That was our big idea, verses 1 to 6 of Ephesians 4. Today's big idea is although we are one, we are very different. We all bring a unique contribution to the body of Christ. And we are supposed to be different. Now, our reading today is going to carry some pretty big terms. If you're new to the Bible, you're going to be two minutes into this reading and go, what the dickens is that all about? There's some big terms in our reading today, if you're unfamiliar with them. What you need to hear is this. Your part matters. Your part matters. You are here on purpose for a purpose. So God hasn't brought you to this church by accident, even if you don't know what your part is yet, or even if you feel like a fish out of water and you're not quite sure if you connect, your part matters. You're here for a purpose, on purpose, by God. Ephesians chapter 4, and I want to continue reading in this chapter from verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm reading verse 11. It says this, Now these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Now I'll unpack these terms in a second, but for now just here they are God's various gifts 
to his church. Why? What are they for? Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Then we'll no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown around by every new wind of teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we'll unpack this more next week because this statement on its own is a message. We'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his holy word. Can we go to the next slide? This isn't working for me, sorry, mate. I'm going to have to rely on you. I've got a mate in Ichuka whose life mission, it seems, was to get me fit, physically fit. And so uh, he used to take me out running. Now, the problem, though, was his definition of fitness and my definition of fitness were poles apart. Now, he justified his pushiness by saying, well, Joan, you push me spiritually, so I get to push you physically. I mean, it's only fair. Okay. To a certain extent, I welcomed his push. I want to be healthy in all areas, body, soul, and spirit. But he would just be so far ahead of me. You know, he'd do a five-kilometre trail in, like, 16 minutes. And I'm like 10 minutes behind that. And I remember when I started running, uh, he would kind of very disrespectfully come alongside and kind of giggle that I was working so hard (laughs) to just do that. It wasn't a run. It was a slow jog, let's be honest. Anyway, I got to the point where I could continuously run five kilometres continuously and, and, and it was, you know, felt like I was in a pretty good rhythm in doing that. By no means was I about to make the Olympic team, but I, I could do it and I kind of achieved my goal. That was my level and I was quite content to kind of just stay there and say, yeah, I can run 5Ks each. I used to do it three or four times a week and I was in a pretty good rhythm. Carl, however, wasn't so satisfied with that. He came to me one day and said, Jono, Now that you can run five kilometres, you'd be able to walk ten, right? Well, that formula seemed pretty fair to me. You can run five kilometres, you'd be able to walk ten. I said, well, I think so. Doesn't sound too hard. Walk ten kilometres. If I can run five continuously, I can walk ten. Yes, I can do that. He says, okay, we're going to plan a weekend away. And it's a ten-kilometre walk that I've got... Uh, planned as part of this week. And I said, okay. He said, you don't need to bring anything apart from good walking shoes. Okay, I can handle that. I'll cover everything else, he says. Where are we going, Carl? He didn't tell me. The next slide will give you a picture of where we went. (laughs) Yes, we walked 10 kilometres. The the part that uh, Carl failed to mention was that it would be up a mountain, (laughs) that we were walking 10 kilometres. Now, I got to the top of that mountain and I was frozen. 
I was sweating and frozen at the same time. I don't know if you've ever been in that sort of predicament, but it's a, it's a strange feeling when your body's frozen, but you're feeling hot at the same time. And I thought, he's brought me up here to die. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, what other purpose is there in this? There's a little log cabin up there, and it was snowing and blowing a gale, and, and uh, we stayed up there overnight. Now... At 3 a.m. in the morning, I wasn't sleeping at all. I was feeling very anxious about the situation. And I can hear the snow, I can hear the wind, I can hear the trees crashing and everything. And I had one of these watches where you could press the, that makes a noise, you know, beep, and the, and the light comes on and tells you time. So I pressed the button, it's 3 a.m. in the morning. Carl says, are you all right, mate? I said, I'm just wondering how we're going to get down from here. <laughs> I, I, I'm not sure we're going to make it. He said, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. And we were fine. I wouldn't have been fine if not for him, but I was fine because he was there. You know, John Maxwell says this about life on the next slide. Anything good is uphill. It's not easy. To make any worthwhile change in our life or in our church, we're actually doing this. We're going uphill. We're working hard to get there, always. It's never downhill you never slide towards maturity you always have to work for it it's always always uphill here's what you need to hear if we are going to move forward as a church and put a din in the gates of hell it's going to be more like that than like that peter it's not going to be like eating ice creams wherever you are it's going to be like we're climbing a mountain it's going to be hard work We need to be realistic. Tough times will come. We live on a battlefield. Sometimes we're unaware of that. We we, we kind of just sort of walk along in some kind of slumber. But the Bible informs us that we wrestle daily against principalities and darkness. There's a dark side coming against anything good and godly. And we live in the midst of that. And our souls are always at war. And it's going to feel like a test of time. And here's what this looks like when it comes to unity. Our adversary will try and have us making a big deal out of little things, right? You know how this goes. I smiled at her and she didn't smile back and the world's just caved in. I stayed back and helped clean up and nobody showed any appreciation. I've been here for 15 years and this new guy walks in and five minutes later he's getting opportunities that I've been waiting years to get. Advancing God's kingdom is something like climbing a mountain. It won't be easy. We're going to have to battle through some of these things in order to reach our potential as a church. How does this relate to our reading today? We'll hold the thought about the mountain. We'll get back there in just a sec. Let's focus on the passage we read for a few moments. Our big idea, remember, is is that although we are one, we have different roles to play in the body of Christ. And five were mentioned in our reading today, given to the church by Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, I want to ask this question. Do we still need this diversity in the church? Is it still important to have all five in operation? Now, some of you who are new to this discussion would say, why is still in that question? Why wouldn't it just say 
do we need all of the diversity? Why still? Well, because some people would say, no, we don't need all five. We need perhaps two or three of these things mentioned, but we don't need all five anymore. We need pastors and teachers, sure. We need evangelists, maybe, as long as they're not the American TV type. <laughs> Apologies to my lovely wife. <laughs> we, need, we need pastors and teachers and some evangelists, maybe, but apostles and prophets, uh, not sure. Maybe not. Now that we have our Bibles in their fullness, these gifts aren't kind of needed anymore. This is what some schools of thought would say. These gifts have either diminished or vanished altogether. They're done. In 2020 in Australia, we don't need them anymore. Many churches are shut down to these ministries and there's a view called sensationists who would say that these, these gifts such as these and others, aren't required anymore. And they use a text like 1 Corinthians 13, if we can move there, it's on the screen, to justify their position. It says this, Where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes... What is in part disappears. Now this, no, stay there please. If we can go back there. This, this um, interpretation of the sensationist hangs on this idea when completeness comes. When completeness comes. So the question is, what is completeness? We'll get to that in a second. What you need to realise, if you're going to disregard prophecy and tongues on the basis of this scripture, you also need to disregard knowledge. Right, because it's in there too. Now, who in their right mind would say there's nothing more to learn about God? We know it all, right? I hope nobody here would say that. So, but if you're going to disregard tongues and prophecy on the basis of First Corinthians 13, please also disregard knowledge. But I think that would be plain silly to do. So, what does it mean when completeness comes? Because this, in the mind of some people, means when the Bible was completed, we didn't need these anymore. Always use context to interpret your Bible, though. So let's move on to what it says next. Now we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then we'll see face to face. When's completeness? When we see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall be known fully, even as I am fully known. So it seems to me pretty clear when completeness comes. When we see Jesus face to face, when our faith is made sight, then I won't need your help anymore to grow in my spiritual journey. You won't need my help anymore to grow in your spiritual journey. We won't need each other then because we have him. We'll be face to face. Our faith will be made sight. But it's not yet. Until then, we need these. We need these things. Let's uh, go back to Ephesians 4 and ask, what are the five ministries? So I've put um, contemporary language on these titles now for you. Hopefully it helps. 
particularly if you're new to the Bible and you haven't heard of these terms before. So the first one I mentioned is apostle, apostolic. Now, in modern day Australia, we might call this the entrepreneurial person, the person who breaks new ground, the person who creates things. This is a trailblazer. And the mission of God needs people like this, people who are going to break new ground. These are the missionaries. These are the people who extend the gospel. Someone with the apostolic gifting is the groundbreaker. They're constantly thinking of the next thing and moving and pressing into what God has next. This picture that we show next is how organisational change happens. Hopefully you can see it. Can you see it over here with this here? Or Okay. Um, the innovators, maybe we'll put that back down if that's okay, unless you want to look over at the other screen. Let's pop this down for a sec. So this is how change happens in an organisation. You've got your innovators, your early adopters, the early majority, the late majority, and then people who just never get it. <laughs> They're dragging the chain at the back here. They're, all, they're the ones just walking around saying, why do we have to change? And it may have happened five years ago. But they're still trying to cope with this idea that stuff moves. So the apostles, they're up this end of the spectrum, right? They're the innovators in our culture. They're the ones that, that, that create the new, that are, that are, that are into uh, innovating and, and moving, moving the change uh, well along. So that's, that's the apostolic. Next we move on to the evangelist. That's a recruiter. Evangelists love being with, with people. Sorry, I missed one. Prophetic. Truth teller. Sorry. Those with prophetic gifting have the special ability to hear from God and speak out on his behalf. And they call God's church to higher ground. They call God's church to get right with God. This is the cry that comes from the prophet. They're a truth teller. They'll, they'll, they'll name the issue when they walk into an environment. And we need prophetic people. We look to the Bible for doctrine, but we often look to people with prophetic gifting for direction. Okay? And no amount of Bible reading sometimes will give us the next step. Because the Bible gives us the what, but the, but the prophets give us the how and the where. They, they give us the, the word in the moment that we need to, to press into the new. And those with prophetic strength are needed here in this church. Now you might say, John, I'm already nervous. Because I've seen people come along saying, I'm a prophet of the one true God. And I'm not sure that they were. I think they're another. <laughs> You're probably right. Option B. Unfortunately, many of the people that put their hand up and claim these gifts in the modern church are just off the beam. What we need to be, though, is discerning. To not just throw out the baby with the bathwater, right? Because we've seen an abuse, we say we're not interested in this area. But that's disastrous to do that because we won't grow to maturity, which is what this text is all about. We need people to bring forward the word of the Lord in timely ways. The evangelists, the recruiter, they love being with people outside the church, telling them about Jesus, sharing the gospel with those who don't know. We've got an evangelist in our midst. 
Now, we're all commanded to tell others the gospel, but that, that comes easier to some people than others, and the evangelists can do this well. And they don't get bogged down in deep theological conversations. They can speak the truth forward to people outside the church in a way that makes sense to them. They have a special ability to recruit people into God's family. And we need evangelists to be a New Testament church. The teacher educated, this probably needs the least amount of um, cultural translation because we still have teachers, right, in our modern Australian culture. Um, But they bring forward the Bible in a transferable way where people can hear and, and, and apply it to their lives. And Axis needs good teaching if we are to grow deep in the faith. And then the final one on this list here is the pastor or the carer. The people carer. And they are the, the caregivers in the community of God's people. They bring protection in to the flock and the well-being of, of the, the body is on their heart. And they walk alongside people that are hurting and they're constantly on the lookout for people who are struggling and how they can encourage them. This comes naturally to the pastor. Back to our mountain. How does all this apply to our mountain? How do these gifts interact in us climbing a mountain for God's glory, which we are. Every year we've got new mountains to climb, right? This year's no different. We're in a new season. So how do these gifts play out in the mountain climb called 2020 here at Axis Church? Well, here's how they play out. The apostle says, now can we stay on that slide please, mate? Yep. The apostle says, there's the mountains. There's the mountains. Right? The apostles just always looking at the mountains. They haven't got eyes for who's suffering in the body of Christ right now. Or, or you know, whether the strategy is clear. They're just seeing mountains. They're just forward focused. They're just vision casting all the time. I can see the future. That's the apostle. We need that though. They say there's the mountains plural. The prophet says that's our mountain for this year. The prophet gives the clarity from God in the moment. So, yes, you're right, Apostle, there are mountains, but that particular one is the one God wants us to take on right now. We need that kind of clarity. None of us have got time or energy to climb all the mountains. I certainly haven't. Climbing one nearly killed me. I want the prophets to bring some insight from the Lord on what we need to focus on right now. The apostle says there's the mountains. The prophet says that's our mountain. The evangelist gathers the crowd and says, hey, everybody, we're going to a mountain. That's the role of the evangelist, right? They, they gather the crowd. They recruit everybody to get on board with the fact that we are climbing a mountain. The teacher says, here's our plan. Here's our strategy. Here's the steps we're going to follow as we begin this journey together. Are you getting this? Are you seeing why they all matter? Apostle, there's the mountains. Prophet, that's our mountain. Evangelist, hey, everybody, we're going to climb that mountain. The teacher says, here's our plan. Here's our strategy. Here's what time we're leaving. Here's what you need to do. The pastor says, has everyone got their sunscreen and hat and water bottle? (laughs) And if you're in this kind of humidity, bring two water bottles. (laughs) So you see how they all play a role. In us as the body of Christ, taking on a mountain, breaking new ground. We can't afford to go into a new year together, a new season together, and diminish 
the role of people in the body of Christ who have got value to bring. We won't climb mountains if we do. So what would happen if we don't value all five? Moving on to the next screen. I think you're already seeing it in the average Australian church. You're already seeing it. I don't need to go to great lengths to explain it. Most of the Australian churches are doing nothing but spinning in circles. There's no mountains being climbed. There's no new ground being broken. They're in maintenance mode, just trying to keep the lights turned on. This is the status of most Australian churches. They're not breaking new ground for Christ. And I think how it must grieve the heart of God. How it must grieve the heart of God to say to his church, I've given you these gifts. And we go, oh, I'm not sure about some of them though. Or we'll put those ones away in the cupboard because we saw someone abuse them, so we're not going there. Well, hang on. They're Christ's gift to his church. We don't have the right to pick and choose. He says, I've given you all of them. And if you're going to climb mountains, you're going to need all of them. My sense is God mourns when we neglect the resources he's made available to us in order to grow. These gifts in isolation, I need to tell you, are wonky at best. If we just have one of these things and not all five, uh, let's just explore what would happen then. Those with the apostolic strength, if we can move on to the next picture, thanks, mate. They're really good at breaking new ground and seeing the mountains, right? Plural. They see the trail to blaze. But those that are, that are innovators, that are apostolic, that are entrepreneurial, if not careful, they won't build the structure behind them to sustain that movement. And an apostolic person, a really strongly gifted apostolic person, needs at least 10 people following along behind, patching up and creating a framework for what they created. Maybe they need 100 in some cases. But in other words, they need someone coming along behind them and working with all these great ideas they have, which will just stay great ideas without the structure of these other things behind them. They can overlook the need for that if not careful, if they only see their way. They can be dismissed as the unrealistic dreamer because they just can constantly sprout, we just need to try this new thing. And the rest of the people are going, well, we're still trying to catch up with the last thing that you started. On their own, it's out of order. We need them though. We also need the voice of the prophet because they help us, moving to the next picture, saying that's our mountain God has for us. But I made the tip of this mountain red because the prophet can be a bit pointy <laughs> after a while. If that's the only voice we've got in the house, the place starts to feel a little bit negative because the main thing that seems to come out of the prophet is we need to get right with God. We need to get right with God. We need to get right with God. And it's... You start to feel like you're in the fry pan if you've only got the prophetic voice speaking. It's a timely message, but if their feedback is only ever corrective instead of encouraging, it starts to feel a wee bit negative. And uh, we just get red hot correction all the time. It's hard work. We need them though. We need them. Bring your prophetic voice to the body of Christ. The evangelistic person, moving to the next one, they're just 
worried about how many are coming. How many are on this journey? And if we only have that voice, we end up being consumed with numbers. And we think that, that the church and, and moving forward as, as God's people is just all about how our numbers compare to last year. And if we only have this voice in our midst, it can start to feel like a little bit of a project to the evangelists. Because their, their emphasis is we need to reach one more for Jesus. And that's wonderful, but if we only have this, people start getting treated like they're a project. And, and, and living faith just starts to feel like a mechanical experience. You know, you're being disobedient if you haven't shared your faith in the last 24 hours. And there's a lot of guilt that can start coming into that conversation and not a lack of freedom. We need the evangelist to sound out the gospel cry. It's a timely message, but we need more than them. The teacher, moving on to the next picture, is a strategist. But they can get so deep in process that all progress gets lost. This is the danger of the teacher. Now, by the way, that's me. <laughs> Just owning who I am. A teacher can be so process-orientated that they miss making progress. They miss the next step. And someone like me needs the voice of the apostles to speak into the future. So this is my natural starting point, but it's good to know your natural starting point because that's when you can start to surround yourself with people that can move you forward. If we only have teachers in the church... We can end up being doctrine heavy and light on mission. We never get around to the hands. We never get around to reaching out because we just keep on believing in this mantra that, oh, we just need to grow deeper in our faith before we reach out. No, 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 never the case. Never the case. Both are the case. Yes, we need to grow deeper in our faith and we need to start reaching out now. We don't wait till we go deeper in our faith. The pastor, the last one in the pictures there, there on the side of the road repairing someone's sprained ankle. And the issue is if we only have the pastoral voice, we'll never get beyond that picture. There'll be somebody else. Oh, but hang on, hang on. Harry over here is hurting as well. And hang on, Sally, she looks like she needs a drink. You see, because the pastor can't get past the fact that there's hurting people. And this is what God's put them in the body for this purpose. Bring your pastoral heart if that's who you are. Access needs you. But we need more than that. We'll be just all gazing at our belly buttons for the rest of all time. We need people to push us outside where we currently are as well. The, the problem of the unchecked pastoral voice, if that's all we've got, is people are never challenged to move forward. They brought comfort, but they never brought challenge. And we need both. We need both. If we're just searching for the next wound, we'll find it, because there's always hurt. I mean, we've all got stuff going on in our lives, right? So we need the pastoral influence in our church, but we need more than just that. Back to the mountain. I got up to, if we move along, please, mate. I got up to Mount Feathertop, right? Oh, sorry, we don't have a mountain picture. 
You're saying, Jono, you're contradicting yourself because you're saying we need five things, right, to, to break new ground for Christ. But you got up there with just one. You just had one friend that got you to that mountain. I did, but I can easily think of five reasons why. My friend had been up this mountain dozens of times before. This was just another day in the life of Carl. He'd been going up this mountain since he was seven years old, and he was at that time 37. So he, he'd, he'd done this trek many, many, many times before. There was no surprises for him. He had all the equipment. He spent hundreds and hundreds of dollars on the right sleeping gear. I wasn't one bit cold on top of that mountain, which was unbelievable to me. I thought I was going to freeze to death. That was one of my fears. But he had this equipment that he'd spent a lot of money on that was the right equipment for the task. He had fitness. If, uh, if we got in trouble at all, he could have ran up and down that mountain. He was so fit. He had skill. He managed to get a fire going on top of that in, in rain, in pouring rain. And he, he had these skills that have been, been ingrained in him since he was a young boy. And he had my trust. We've been long-time friends, but he was also a paramedic, which helps <laughs> if you get in, in trouble on top of a mountain. So although there was moments where I thought, I'm going to die, I thought, at least if I do, I'm in good hands up here. Carl had it all going on, but we don't. We're called by God to climb a mountain this new year, and we don't have it all. We need each other. We need each other if we're going to get there. And verse 13 tells us what happens when we activate all of these things in the body of Christ. We grow. We mature. And that can only mean one thing. Without them, we don't grow. And we stay immature. We'll be stuck, verse 14 says, like children. We'll stay juvenile. We'll stay immature. You know, there's things cute when you've got a child on your lap and acting in a certain way. You know, a two-year-old or whatever, it's totally appropriate and it, 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 it looks really wonderful. But a time comes when that child grows up and they're no longer two, they're now 22 that... Still sitting on mum's lap is no longer cute anymore. <laughs> you expect them to grow out of that by that age. We're supposed to grow up. We're supposed to mature. There's things that are cute when you're new in your faith that are no longer cute anymore. You're supposed to have grown beyond that. We're supposed to have come to maturity. And we only will when we value all five of these things mentioned. So... As you heard that this morning, I hope something struck a chord in your heart as we clipped those five things and you went, I think that is me. You might have even related two or three of them. We, we don't necessarily have one strength, but there'll be a predominant one. And as that happened for you, I hope you hear the spirits whisper to go, bring it, bring it. Don't, don't leave it dormant, don't hide it away, bring it into the body of Christ because we won't grow unless you do. We won't come to maturity in the faith unless we all come together, bringing the strength that God has gifted us individually with. As the music team comes back this morning, we go to that final quote that says, to reach people we've never reached, we must do things we've never done. 
Craig Groeschel brings those sentiments to us. If you want to reach people you're not currently reaching, you've got to do things you're not currently doing. We, we don't get new by repeating the old. We only get new by listening to the Spirit and, and, and obeying Him in what He's moving us towards. And if it's the mountains we're heading to, we need every piece of available resource to get there. It's too hard for us on our own. God's designed it as such that, that, that we can't do life on our own. We're supposed to do it together. We need each other. Would you stand for prayer? God, today we receive your gifts to your church, all of them. And Father, today, those with apostolic leanings, we ask that they would stand and help us break new ground in this new year. And those with the, with the ear to hear your voice, with that prophetic gift, God, speak ever so clearly through them. Help us hear and listen and value what they have to say. Those with, that have evangelism, God, that, that have on their heart people who we don't even yet know exist. We thank you for these people. We ask that we can all grow in this, this year and in particular the evangelists, Lord, would bring people to Jesus in 2020. For those of us who value teaching, Lord, help us not only come up with good plans, but God's plans. And Lord, for the pastoral people, we give thanks for their care of the body. Give us a heart to look out for one another. Lord, you know what we need? Help us not be threatened by difference. Help us value difference. And realise although we are unique, we are one in Christ. Glory be to you, Jesus. Amen.